Flare. Uh oh, <laughs> we have it right here, baby. Yes. Yeah, that's that's the trophy. All right, I'll be honest. I don't know what to talk about on this one, but uh, I got Roger over here, and I feel like we need to do what literally every other podcast is doing, just talk about what the seasons, uh, seasons, kind of the progression of the season. But I wanted to do it a little bit later because all the stupid hot takes of, oh my God, have you seen the Suns? Oh my God, have you seen Charlotte? Oh my God, have you seen yada, yada, yada? Is kind of leveled out, and I think we're getting more towards what the true kind of format of the teams are. So um, that's why I think I, it was better that we waited a little bit longer, and we did it now. So, Roger, what's up, man? Up, Tim. I'm just watching the Raps game right now. Terrence Davis. That was fire, that three? Oh. Yeah, man. He's nice, yo. I love Terrence Davis. Well, I'm all on that. Sorry, go ahead. I'm all on that bandwagon, man. Just all over that bandwagon. But anyways, continue. Go ahead. All right, no, we'll we'll do the Raptors thing literally right at the end because you know what I want I want you guys if you're listening to it to kind of be like, hey, what's what is the thing about the rap? So let's just uh, leave the raps till the end. Uh, but I think what I kind of have been inkling have been really wanting to talk about. I think more so than anything is just the teams that are, or storylines that. A lot of the stupid American media has kind of been going way too overblown over and stuff that I think is seems pretty interesting. So, um, number one for me at least is, and again, I'm gonna toot my horn a little bit here is how um, how Brooklyn is pretty much uh, finally starting to show its weaknesses. That again, my bet if uh, you can kind of. Whoever's listening to this can look at our Eastern Conference preview. I actually put them as not making the playoffs because I think Brooklyn's depth issue is finally kind of coming to uh, fruition with Kyrie's injury history and, you know, Karras is being down now. And them losing D'Angelo, Damari Carroll, uh, Ed Davis especially. All these guys added a lot of depth, and them being missing, I think, is hurting them. And that's why I think now they they lost four. They're they're four and six. They have lost. They lost their last game. They're five and eight uh, for the year. So I know it's still early again, but um, I think a lot of the cracks are showing. What do you think on the Brooklyn Nets? Um, yeah, I mean, I do agree with you. The injury history. I think. I think playing with Kyrie is a whole new system. I think what the Nets are doing is really kind of catering to the Kyrie show. Like, it's it's, you don't see the same kind of, like, the ball movement, the camaraderie, I think, that they had with D'Angelo. And you could tell they, like, you know, it's kind of like they're they're walking on eggshells with Kyrie. I mean, the reports already leaked about, you know, already in a way when he was in China about him being uncooperative with the team. So um, I could definitely see like through their play too, right? Like it's just, it just, I mean, that's the thing, right? With Kyrie Irving, you have a player who's so good at isolation basketball. It's like you tend to definitely lean on him, but it it just gets a little predictable and the defenses can zone in on that. And I think that the next, the Nets really lost that like identity as like a, like kind of like a team basketball and they're kind of relying a lot on uh, Kyrie right now. And I just don't think, like you said, the depth is missing for sure too. Like I think <clears throat> off their bench, they have what Spencer Dinwiddie and maybe Deandre Jordan and everyone yeah. else 
I can't even think of off the top of my head. So, well, they got still giving a lot of minutes to Joe Harris and you know Torian yeah, Prince. Joe, and, Joe, yeah, both those guys are starting. Yeah, they're right, starting so. exactly. Yeah. So actually, uh, funny enough, of the guys that um, have significant minutes with Kyrie, um, let's just say anything over a hundred minutes, which is Torian Prince, Spencer Dinwiddie, Chris Levert, Garrett Temple, DeAndre Jordan, Jared Allen, Joe Harris. Don't there's um, anything I would say, you know. Uh, for for example, shooting percentage. Um, the only people who actually have a lot, actually, let's say a th- a three point field goal. Um, Karis Levert, Garrett Temple, DeAndre Jordan, kind of all have negative uh, percentages. So, like with him on the court. So Kyrie effectively isn't really uh, adding a lot value to uh, to that to the, to the player that they're really focusing a lot of their offense on, right? Um, Joe Harris is uh, about 17% better, which is good for him. But uh, in in general, like the main guys, again, the aspect of Karis Levert, uh, you know, DeAndre Jordan and, and how they kind of have that modern offense, it's it's been worse for them to have Kyrie on the team. And, I mean, that's understandable. This guy's having crazy usage and, and um, it hasn't benefited them, I think, as much as a lot of people thought. Sure. Yep. Definitely. Anything else you want to talk about the Nets? Oh, I mean, I think the Nets... You have Kyrie. That's why I wanted uh, to start off with them. Yeah, let's be... I do have Kyrie. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, believe me, it's just, you know, obviously the usage rate was tempting to buy, buy into, but, you know, injury history, Nets not being that great. But, you know, the funny thing is they're in the ninth seed with such right. a terrible start. The East, the seventh and eighth seed are wide open. Like, yeah. Let's be yeah. real. Like, yeah. The man East, you could go 500 and you could make the playoffs. So, I mean, we'll see. Um, it's definitely going to be competitive towards then. It'll be fun to see who comes out. But, yeah, the Hawks, I mean, the Nets, um, definitely lose, losing a bit of that Kenny Atkinson system. And, you know, you could definitely tell they're playing a little bit like with the Kyrie Irving, like Boston kind of vibes, you know, coming in a little bit. But we'll see. I mean, I still think they have a, they have a lot to figure out. And, once KD comes back, they're going to be a whole different team. So we'll see next year. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I just think yeah, this year it's it's a wash, and it's unfortunate for guys like Harris who just came back from that devastating injury. And yeah, I mean, Harris yeah. is nice. Uh, he's he's a good player, but yeah, he was he out like six, like four to six weeks. We'll see. Yeah, yeah. All right. So that's right. the Nets. I think we'll see how it goes. But again, actually, one thing I wanted to toot our horn. For the most part, we were correct pretty much across the board. Um, in how we perceive the Eastern Conference, you know, I still have hope for the Knicks. I, I'll, I'll talk to the, about them in a, in a second, but um, you know, we pre- and the Hornets. I, I don't think that they're going to sustain this. Whatever they started, and the Hornets, I don't think is sustainable. There's just not enough talent on that team. Like exactly. no offense, like I think I think the way they're playing is fun. They shoot a lot of threes, but like, who's really shot creating for them? Like, I I just can't see it. I, I could definitely see maybe the Hawks or the the Pistons sneaking in. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, again, it's, it's still early, right? So It's still really early. Yeah, you're right. I mean, it'll be interesting. Though. <clears throat> I think these guys have, especially with, um, with how modern of an offense the Hawks play, I think they'll, they'll be fine. Um, it's just a... You know what, though? They're losing John Collins for 25 games, which really sucks for them. Because before that and Trey Young's injury, they were playing really well. I think they had like a what, like a four and two record at that point or something like that. Yeah. But yeah. 
I mean, the pick and roll between him and John Collins was just like a key part of their offense. And like, you get that inside outside threat. And I'd say John Collins is probably their second most like offensively uh, ready player at this moment. Cause they've got a, young, a lot of young guys like right, DeAndre Hunter and Camerish who aren't like fully polished in their offensive games. So um, it was unfortunate to lose him to that, uh, you know, suspension but you know don't do drugs kids just saying <laughs> yo by the way og og man this this glasses look is just fire uh, he, yeah he, you see the glasses he's wearing today yeah he's yeah. been nice man it's og season man. he just had a nice up. little steal there yeah tuning in i saw like the boucher put back <laughs> fire fire um, um okay so let's go with the uh, the second kind of We'll go east and then we'll go to the west. So, second Western Conference, I mean Eastern Conference, uh, really bright light. Uh, and we talked about it in the early season how this team could do really well or kind of would be average is the Miami Heat. And they have just started off hot as hell, man. So, like, what what do you think? Uh, yeah, man. I, I've I've gotten to tune into like a few Heat games, and I think what they do is they're it's. It's honestly very similar to the Raptors. They have a bunch of guys who are ready to go. Like they know the system. They know the Miami Heat system. You got guys like Kendrick Nunn and Tyler Tyler Hero, where they drafted really well, really NBA ready players. They're buying into the Heat culture. You have Jimmy Butler as your, I guess, culture setter right now. And they just have a lot of depth, like we were talking about before. And I think, you know. That gets you a long way. They've all been playing under the same system. They all have, you know, the heat culture. Everybody talks about putting themselves, putting in the work and being in peak physical condition. And it definitely shows. I mean, they're playing great team ball. Uh, Jimmy Butler is sharing the ball. I've, I, all his games, I think he's averaging under 20 points this season. So it's not like a hero ball type of situation. He's getting like the young guys like Tyler and Kendrick involved a lot. Yeah, you know, Bam's been active for them. He's been playing a bigger role after Hassan's gone. They still have Kelly Olynyk, all these guys. So they're a really deep roster. So kind of similar to the Raptors in that kind of sense, I would say. So And they share the ball really nicely. Yeah, uh, um, Jimmy's on his way to get a career year pretty much in his assists. Uh, assistant steals. He's been locking down people too, right? Like, uh, But yeah, go ahead. Sorry about that. Oh. No, no, finish your thought if you, if you have one. I mean, I own Jimmy. The thing is, I follow the Heat because I, I own Jimmy Butler in my work fantasy league. So um, just been keeping track of the Heat. And, you know, I, I picked up Kendrick Nunn in that league, too. And so I catch a few games here and there. And uh, they're fun to watch. They're a good team. Like, it's just, I don't know, enjoyable brand of basketball to play. And I, I think the Heat. Yeah, I hope they succeed because good team. Well, I mean, if you look at it again on a per thirty six level, this guy's averaging seven and a half assists. His next closest was three years ago, where he was at five point three in Chicago. So he and I think it's helped him too because he's his three points. Actually, this this is actually his worst three point shooting year. Sorry about that. Actually, he hasn't helped him on an offensive basis. I think it's just helped the team. That's probably the best way to put it. I mean, yeah, I mean. Yeah. That's what you need Jimmy to do, right? Jimmy's always been really good because he can do so many. He can benefit your team in so many different ways, right? Like he can create his own shot. He can pass the ball. He can defend your best player, right? Like he's just kind of like, I would say maybe like, you know, like just guys like you, you want those kind of guys on your team, right? It's just always just not been 
able to have that success because Chicago mm-hmm. was missing pieces for so many years and obviously he's had a huge injury history so I'm glad he's going to get a you know an opportunity to be the leader of, for the heat right so yeah uh, like yeah that's just to add kind of credence to it this is again defensively his best year uh, as well uh, and win shares and box plus minus and uh it's just, I think, helped the team a lot. And, again, the guys like Natalia Hero has just been great for them. So, congrats to the Heat. I think they are they have the Heat old system, and I think they'll probably sustain. They're one of the teams I think they will sustain this. Yeah, I, I, top, they're top four, top five seed for sure, right? Like, they're going to be probably looking at home court advantage, I would imagine. And Goran Dragic, too. Congrats to him because he's... Oh, yeah. That, you're right about that. I completely forgot. He he completely... Like, he's doing great off the bench. He's, like, kind of revived in a role, like, coming off the bench and, like, providing offense for that second unit. Yeah, I completely forgot about Goran. You absolutely nailed it on the head. Um, he's, he's... Like, the last few years, he's been kind of stale a little bit for them. So, giving him a new role, really, like, to be, like, the primary, like, the offense runs through him in that secondary unit, providing another veteran uh, to come off the bench and kind of pairing none together with Jimmy on the first unit. It's been spectacular for them, so. Yeah, and uh, he, again, r- roughly this year, he's shooting, uh, you know, about 50% of his shots from three, and it's, it's his best year in uh, shooting from three, so. I think it's again that whole aspect of Jimmy and having that focus and it just rejuvenated him. I think uh, on a on on an aggregate sense, and it's been really good for him. So, good job, Heels. Uh, I think two more I'd like to at least on the Eastern Conference that I think have been really good surprises. Another one would pro it would be the aspect of this this team that I I think you and I hate equally. Um, their fan base is shitty. Their media representation is shitty. They're, they they get way too much love, and it's the stupid Boston Celtics team. <laughs> uh, one thing that does make them easier to love is Kemba Walker. He, yeah. like, I don't know many people that root against Kemba. You know. You're right. You're right. And apparently, he's become like he's a Zen guy in 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 that locker room, and everybody loves him. I mean, it's probably for them, it's probably almost like an experience where it's like you break up with a crate. Like Kyrie's got to be that crazy hot ex where it's like when shit was going good, you you thought she was you thought she was banging. You thought that like you guys were going to go the distance and then but you just see this fucked up side of her that, you know, really. And then you got Kemba on the other side, who's maybe not as flashy, but like just, you know, wins games. Right. Like, so it's kind of like. For them to go from Kyrie to Kemba must be Kemba's kindness and his, you know, locker room presence are probably even more amplified and magnified, right? So, um, he's been playing really good basketball. I mean, like, yeah. you know, Gordon was kind of getting back into form. Jalen Brown's having a career year. You know, Tatum's kind of on, on and off. But, like, they have so many offensive weapons, which is really fun to watch for them. Um, I remember us discussing a little bit of our concerns about their bigs, but they're plugging in like Daniel Thice and, and they got Cantor back. So, I mean, they're making it work. Plus they're running like a, well, before Gordon got hurt, they were running like all four, like, well, they had like Tatum, Gordon or Brown and Kemba running at the same time. But I mean, they've been playing well, but they've had one of the easier schedules, I believe. So 
Um, we'll definitely see how it goes later through the year. But I'm glad you brought that up because that's, I think, the one, um, one thing that I think is going to be interesting to see. They actually have, uh, on a sense of set strength of schedule basis, they have the fifth easiest um, schedule thus far in the year, and. It's you know it's gonna be kind of interesting to see uh, what they're gonna do when they start facing the re- you know the really good teams of the uh, of, of 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 the league pretty much. But I think it's been really good for them having Kemba um, from a, from a team basis. I mean it, the team just looks way more fluid, and I think it's helped that they had Jalen Brown kind of figuring it out uh, and his shot falling, but. Just thus far, again, 11, 12 games into the uh, well, what, 13 games into the year, they have roughly four extra points per um, uh, on a net rating basis this year versus last year. Uh, they're shooting better uh, as a as a kind of true shooting percentage. They're, they're shooting better, and I think I, I mean shooting better. It's roughly the same, but like I think it's just like overall a better um, format for for the team and. Having no Kyrie, I think, has probably helped quite a bit in the locker room. So, yeah, I think that's uh, in terms of Boston. Uh, that's as much as I want to talk about them. That's as much as I want. I really care for them, and uh, hopefully, they start sucking ass when they face better teams. <laughs> Anything else you want to cover about the shitty team that is first I mean, in the NBA? I mean, I think I think them playing through the summer in FIBA together also really helped them, right? Develop that kind of chemistry and that. Uh, familiarity with each other so i mean like i said they had four players i believe the yeah. two challenge and uh jay's man and yeah tatum's okay can we talk about tatum this guy i think whatever happened last year maybe he really hated Kyrie because he's kind of it just seems like he's figured it out like really in terms of okay i can't be that much of a dipshit and shoot long twos like i'm Kobe Bryant from 2006. Uh, I don't know. It's probably just they probably worked on it through the off season. They kind of revamped their system too, right? Their offensive system where it's more of a everybody. It's kind of like they go with a hot hand. So I've yeah. seen games where Gordon been the leading scorer, Jalen or Jason. So it interchanges for all of them. Kemba. I hope Gordon but comes yeah. back quick, man. Because as again, as much as I hate him, I hate I hate that. Um, Injuries have hindered that team. I mean, he he, bro- he broke his. Uh, I mean, but he fractured his hand. He came in yeah. League of Legends. Like I don't know what he's gonna do in his spare time. Right? So. Actually, spends time with his kids and wives. Poor yeah, but, guy. I'm know, so sorry yeah. he has to do that. I know. What a what a tragedy. I'm um, gonna have to actually listen to what his girl has to say. Oh my god. <laughs> Daddy's always happy, man. Daddy's always happy. Uh, just to kind of put it in perspective, their actual best lineup is that Brown, Tatum, Tice, Walker, Smart lineup. So I know Hayward was important, but actually somehow, some way, they figured out how to kind of go away from that on a, on a plus-minus basis. It's, they ran that the most this year, and it's been the best. So it's good for them. Congratulations, Boston. I think, again, they're going to be a top-four team, um, and they're going to be part of this group uh, that's going to do well. From the last kind of, I guess, 
I don't actually know. I'm not. I was going to talk about the Pacers, but I think they're still underperforming. So uh, let's just kind of say they are what they are. Brogdon Pacers. just Brogdon looks like a freaking completely different player. Uh, yeah, to be fair. Sorry. Um, I was going to say as well. It's hard to gauge the Pacers too. They've had so many injuries recently. Right. I mean, we saw Brogdon go down. I don't think Jeremy Lamb's been healthy. Uh, Miles Turner was out for like two weeks. So, I mean, it's hard to gauge. They still have Victor Oladipo to work back in the lineup. So, we don't even know what they're going to look like by the end of the season. It's pretty hard to gauge. But I think it's safe to say, I mean, we we thought they would be a playoff team. And they're looking pretty solid, hopefully. Um, But, yeah, shout-outs to Brogdon. Man, like 50 40 90 club, no joke, man. He's been balling out, like, good for him, right? Because, like, he had a set role in Milwaukee, and a lot of people thought that you know would have been just a good opportunity to keep winning, but he wanted a bigger role and he got paid for it. So, more power to him, right? Yeah, for Brock. Yeah, he's been great having on fantasy, and I'm happy. I'm happy he's doing well. Thank you, thank you, Malcolm. Come back soon, please, please, please. I need you. Pick. Um, okay, so from the perspective of the Eastern Conference, the teams that we you know, unfortunately aren't doing as well as they could have. I, th- I have two in mind, and I think that kind of covers the narrative for the year. We talked about the Hawks. I think it, it, it's just an injury thing. But fundamentally, there's two teams that I think have issues that, again, I think are going to make bigger bigger problems. Um, the Knicks are for sure one. And I know you... You you were in the start of the year said uh, they're not going to make playoffs. This is actually, by the way, again, tooting my horn a little bit. This is the only bet I made that is not working out, and it's kind of sucking. So I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna boost up the Knicks a little bit. This team, I think, is fundamentally fl- unfortunately flawed in two ways. One, Alfred Payton got injured, and that's completely destroyed their offense. Fl- Frankie Smokes is not. A starting point guard in this league he's the type of sean living i think his best comparison is uh, sean livingston he comes off the bench gives you some static points here or there but is an amazing amazing defensive player but from an offensive standpoint from what you need from a point guard in the nba he does not do it so what do they do they should be getting rj barrett the goddamn ball uh and unfortunately, they're not. They're still choosing to have him be an off-ball handler, kind of every once in a while getting the ball and running this lineup with, you know, uh, Nilkina uh, and and uh, what's the name? Bobby Portis. And that's fine. I don't think that's a bad thing to do, but they need a competent point guard. And that was – it's unfortunate that Peyton's gone because actually – the lineup that they run with uh, Alfred Payton actually happens to be uh, that they run with uh, what's the name? Where is where am I looking? Yeah, so Portis, Barrett, Morris, Payton, and Randall is actually one of their is their best lineup on a plus minus basis. And again, something they haven't been able to uh, been able to use much. So I'm sad that he's not there, and I'm sad that R.J. Barrett is not getting the ball more to uh, exploit. And kind of grow uh, more with. Yeah. Um, uh, sorry, just just ending it off. And again, one thing I need to do: if they're gonna run Nilkina, they need to start running this Barrett, Gibson, Morris, and Randall uh, uh, lineup more because at least they have some spacing. Morris and see the, the we thought that there was gonna be issues with them kind of distributing the ball. That actually hasn't been an issue. Bobby Portis has been completely cool with. Uh, you know, letting the ball go with whoever's scoring. Well, Morris has done that as well. He's he kind of ends up becoming the end of the 
end of the shot clock kind of guy who because nobody else can kind of give him that those kind of points he's getting he he has to end up shooting but he hasn't been the guy who'd be like all right forget this team i'm gonna score myself and uh do me thankfully he hasn't done that and i think it's been good for them but again i think their biggest issue is their point guard isn't there I definitely do think that the Knicks have like talent to be better than what they are. But my biggest thing has always been like the Knicks don't have a culture or continuity. It's like you have all these players and these players are all being introduced on their first year. They don't have a set system or a winning culture in place. So they're just kind of trying to figure it out. Right. So if you have a bunch of guys who are don't have defined roles and like you, ha- if you ever see coach Fisdale coach, he runs a different line. You'll see like players come in and yeah. out fall after the rotation, and it's just like there's no continuity. It's just people don't know what they're gonna get. They don't get the chance to make mistakes. He just plays with whatever he feels like or is the hot hand, and there's no system to buy into. It's almost like I just I just think that the Knicks they're they're gonna be trying. They're all there for two years. They're gonna try to play to the best of their abilities to get their next contract and I don't think anybody is buying into a culture or a winning system and I just don't think for quite frankly that for me at least personally I don't I just I, until like some kind of like cleansing is done maybe from I don't know what if it needs to be done from Dolan or if it needs to be done by their front office it's just it's just not a good like I don't know but then again you know I I there's there's different things, right? Maybe you just need a new coach, right? Like I, I, if we're talking about the Western conference, I did not expect the Phoenix suns to be this good. So, right. Um, and they also had a bit, a few more changes, but yeah, exactly. And that's what it is, man. Like I, I think this year I watched way too much basketball. I've been spending way too much freaking time. And the Knicks actually happened because I have RJ and fantasy, um, happened to be one of the teams that I've been watching way too much of. And, See, see them like literally do really pretty good in up until the third uh, fourth quarter and then just throw the games away so uh, i don't understand how you forget how to coach basketball when you were successful in doing it for however long uh, how many years he's like five six years he was with uh fisdale was with memphis where he made them kind of versatile strong team that had a, a dynamic offense and a an amazing defense. I don't understand how he just completely forgets how to coach. And maybe that's why, maybe you're right in the sense of the Dolanification and everybody's talked about how much of an annoying owner he is. That's completely fucked up the mojo because this team, again, I, I, just, I have faith still. Again, for me, it's early in the season. I'm hoping when Alfred Payton comes back, they figure it out. They should not be doing a four and ten. They should not be as bad as as say the Bulls are, which both of us were kind of skeptical on. Uh, as bad as the Wizards are, there, there's they have talent enough to justify doing better. And again, all the blog boys will have been saying, no, no, they're shit, they're shit. I don't care about them. I don't care about what people have been saying. I'm seeing what I see on on on, on the floor. It's just a coaching issue, I think. Um, well, I mean, they've already. I mean, rumors have it they prepped the paperwork, so we'll we'll see, right? Maybe, maybe they'll turn it around, and then you'll get to come back at the end of the season and just you know talk shit to the haters. So, um, but for me, uh, I'm definitely not buying on the Knicks. I, I don't believe in the team, um, but I definitely do agree that um, on paper they're they should definitely be a higher seed than what they are. I think they 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 definitely aren't reaching what they could be. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And, yeah. All right. 
Thank you. Thank you for at least uh, joining me. I know you're not the biggest fan of them. So, uh, I mean, that's the thing, right? I, I just. It's the Knicks. I understand. The Knicks. Yeah, you're right. It's the Knicks. I think it's almost at this point it's preconceived notions. It's like, unless I see something drastically different from them, nothing's going to be different. But. You know what's the most annoying part about this is I'm going to hate their fan base as soon as they become half competent. Like, man, it's like right now you're like, oh, man, the Knicks sucks to be them. They've been, you know, I mean, like, let's be real. Like, we got Leafs fans here and it's kind of the same deal. You have like the Mecca of hockey, (laughs) Mecca of basketball and your team just trash and your management's incompetent. So I don't know. Maybe don't become a Mecca. I guess that's the that's the way to go. We'll see. Um, I I don't think we should talk about the Leafs. It'll be like this should disingenuous as hell because neither of us really watch them at all. Uh, so let's just say, oh yeah, Babcock, sorry to sorry to see you go. And uh, hopefully they can turn it around though, because I know a lot of Leafs fans, and uh, you know it's big for Toronto. I think just to, I'd like to see them win. You know, yeah, just, yeah, yeah. Hopefully they can have a parade uh, too. But this is a basketball podcast, so let's move on to something else. All right, um, and the last kind of understory for me, at least, is how um, the 76ers have been kind of underperforming. And, I again, we talked about... Man, we should, we should do this for a goddamn living because we called most of these things. We said, hey, watch out 76ers fans. They added Jay Rich and, you know, all these things are there. But, again, Ben Simmons can't shoot. And number two, most importantly, they lost Jimmy Butler and J.J. Redick, both of which were huge for them from the on the offensive end. And it's kind of come to uh, come to fruition where that's legitimately becoming an issue of theirs. Ben Simmons drives in, has no kick out that he did um, last year when, uh, you know, when he when he had Jimmy, uh, Jimmy and when he had J.J. So he's having he's having himself like the spacing is just not as good. So uh, yeah, no, I agree with you 100 percent. Like yeah. you said, the spacing's not as good, like and they don't have the same shot creators that they did before like they're trying to do that with josh richardson and tobias harris but those guys are nowhere close to jimmy butler and then also on top of that the 76ers are getting real greedy they're trying to load manage joel and bead and i was I hoping you'd chime in here because uh I know, I know you have them so i'm sure you're passionate well, about this yeah guy. so i mean like for me it's like i i ooh. Do you want to go into the load management topic? Cause that's a that's a tough topic. No, no, fuck that. We're go hundred percent going into that. I was gonna save it until like right before the Raptors thing, um, but you know what? Fuck it. Why don't I just talk about it now? We're we're about high quality production. No, actually, no, no, no. Finish the finish the yeah. Philly thing. Finish your Philly, Philly thought, and then we'll talk about it. Uh, yeah, like I said, like we well we established that all those hype videos from the summer with Ben Simmons shooting threes and fading away for two pointers. He has not shot a. He's not shooting at all this season. So it's like, why won't you shoot? There's guys out there, like Andre Drummond shoots three. So I don't understand why Ben Simmons won't even at least attempt a three. Like, I mean, uh, I don't know. It just seems like for me, it's frustrating because Ben has so many tools there, but every, like, it's his third year and he looks like the same player that he was in this first year. So I, I don't know, man. Like, no, no, you're 100 percent right. That's exactly what it is, and he's he's doing it less efficiently this year. That's the worst part about it. I mean, I mean, I still think the 76ers are fantastic defensively, so I could see them doing well in the playoffs. But like offensively, it's just what they got a Joel Embiid post up, and 
Um, maybe they're great in transition, and then Al Horford's probably their best three-point shooter. So, By the way, while we're talking about this, uh, Ben Simmons just scored a three-pointer. Wow, look at look, man. <laughs> this guy's hearing us. Man. He's listening, man. Shout out to Ben Simmons. He actually scored a three-pointer today. Congratulations, Ben. Fucking amazing. Man. Oh, my God. He's doing it. He's doing it as literally live as the pod is being recorded. He's doing it. It's amazing. He scored a... Oh, man, he actually scored a three-pointer. That's crazy. I'm Because I'm, I have the Raptors game and the Knicks game on the side. By the way, Knicks are winning. Let's go, Knicks. They do this, again, they do this all the time, winning the fucking third and losing the fourth. So, Anyways, uh, finish your Philly thoughts. Yeah, so, and, and you know, um, yeah, lo- and to go back to load management, right? Like, load management, um... You can load when you had a, like a really deep team, right? Like if you if you like the Raptors, like last year with Kawhi, like he sat out twenty games for us, and what did we go in that stretch? Like six sixteen and four, something along those lines, right? Um, but you got like Joel Embiid, and Joel is probably their yeah. I mean, hands down, he's their best scorer, and they don't generate that much offense without him. So for me, it's just like. Mm. Uh, I'm okay with load management as long as, well, I mean, I'm not really okay with it when we talk about that later, just because for fans and, you know, all this, but I get it because the Toronto Raptors want to chip with load management. So I I don't want to speak too much, too much negative negativity about it. But um, I definitely think the 76ers need to figure out other ways to generate offense if they're going to be sitting Joel so much. But even with the load management, I'd argue with the Raptors, at least, it was more so a factor of who they were load managing rather than um, they potentially thought that is the best way to go forward. Like, And, and I'll talk about why I think this is the case. Uh, that was another thing, right? Because Kawhi didn't play for an entire year. So, like, the load management actually made sense. Joel Embiid is just – they're just worried about his fat ass and they're just worried about him <laughs> fucking and, and to be again. over him. I think with Kawhi, again, the, the situation is different because they have to appease him, right? I think there is an aspect of, look, we care about you. We care about your career, yada, yada. Please stay. Uh, yes, I agree with that completely. But let's let's. I mean, let's go to, do we want to talk about now or do you want to talk about later? No, let's just fucking finish the Western Conference real quick. Um, God, I, 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 want, I want us to be more of an Eastern Conference voice because I think literally everyone else talks about the Western Conference. So uh, yeah, the Western, Western Conference will be a little bit shorter and then we'll just talk about... Uh, load management and the Raptors. Actually, the Raptors and the load management at the end. So, from the Western Conference, three big um, up signs are, I think, for me, the Rockets, um, the Suns, and kind of in the middle is uh, the Lakers, at least for me. And uh, on the, you know, really surprises are Negatively or positively, the Mavericks for me. Uh, it's the Spurs, and then the Blaze, and then the Blazers. Uh, so those are the three. So just to start off again. The Rockets. We talked about it again. Another really good thing that we kind of covered in the start of the year. The Rockets are legit. They're legit. Harden seems to have figured out another gear, which is. Actually, a, l- a lot less annoying because he hasn't been flopping as much. Again, I watched a bit too many uh, Rocket games. He hasn't been flopping as much. He still flops a lot, but just not as much. Um, his 
production has somehow increased, uh, which is absolutely like, you know, cr- crazy considering his uh, usage last year, and 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 you have a high usage guy like Westbrook coming in, and the scariest thing of all. Like again, his usage is roughly the same. Like 40 45 percent last year, forty point six percent this year. So it's like not, nothing crazy different. His uh, true shooting is roughly the same. It's just I think he's been able to uh, just take it to another kind of gear. He, he's shooting longer shots on average. He's shooting roughly point two meter, point uh, two feet longer on his shots. His uh, three point attempts are are you know roughly uh 57%. So that that small little alteration instead of 54% it's 56% 56.5% has kind of increased his point uh, by a couple points. So great for him and the fact that they've been able to get Westbrook in there who's again the scary thing for the league is I think they're just now the last couple of games figuring out how Westbrook is going to lead the second um second um second lineup kind of a thing with Austin Rivers and and, and how they're going to ma- manage that. And as soon as they figure that out, as soon as they figure out Westbrook and let him be Westbrook, which is, I think, what they're going to do, this team, I think, still has another gear, and that's scary for the league. Thoughts? Yeah. Um, I mean, the Rockets, I don't have any concerns about their regular season. James Harden is a complete beast. We've seen him do damage. Um, Westbrook, complete beast. Like, they, these two guys are like the complete opposite of load management. They'll give you everything night in, night out. Um, James is, he's like an, he's an offensive savant. Like the way the D'Antoni system works, it's like, just like we've seen it for the last few years, right? Just surround James with a bunch of three-point shooters, give him a pick and roll target with Capella and like watch him go to work, right? Like you, anybody who's been, on a one-on-one isolation with James Harden, he has so many tools and so many weapons. And now you throw in Westbrook, who's like just gives you a little bit of everything, right? Just offensively, he can attack the rim. I do wish that he could knock down the open three. I don't. I, I, I hope that that's something that they incorporate and encourage him to shoot a little more open. Threes, Westbrook, but yeah, Westbrook. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, like like you said, like they just got to figure out how to coexisted to because right now it's just kind of like them taking turns being the right like james will step out yeah. and they'll let russ will yeah. run the show or it'll be james's show so it's kind of like a merge of the rockets and the thunder i guess so um i'm curious to see how they're gonna work in the playoffs because they're a heavy three-point shooting team and sometimes when shots don't fall in the playoffs you've got to figure out other ways to score and um it's about that, but for the regular season, this team looking—they're looking real good, and I, I definitely think you have two guys. They're they're two MVPs in the last three seasons, yeah. so you put two of those guys on the same team, and I think people had a lot of concerns. But it's just always been the case, right? You find really good players and you put them on a team together, and like if they're good friends or if you know they're willing to make it work they'll find a way to make it work so and we're definitely seeing that with the rockets i'm glad they're buying into the system and they look like they have new life compared to like last year so they're uh yeah somehow somewhere they've actually just managed to kind of get similar levels of three-pointers even though they've added a guy like westbrook who shoots less threes than um you know uh what's the name chris paul did and again 
I this is why I think this team is just figuring out now is even versus last year, Westbrook is continuing the way he kind of has his offense, right? It's more so drive, driving kick, two pointers, but he he hates the two pointers, but he'll shoot them. Um but surprisingly this year he's shooting, you know, roughly uh, roughly twenty one percent higher on his, on his shots being uh, three pointers, and his against similarly, the two pointers have taken but, but pretty much three quarters of his shots come from a two pointers versus Harden, who has pretty much done a fifty fifty split actually more so even, um, more so towards the threes than the two pointers. So, I think, and uh, the last couple of games I've been watching it, Westbrook as they figured out him leading the second unit a little bit more. He's shooting and comfortable with shooting the three more. And again, as soon as that happens, this team is just going to be more way, 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 way scarier. Um, and Daniel House has been a great addition to them. PJ just seems to be a, a continued rock. And he's, again, yeah, and you're talking about load management. This whole team, this seems to be the epitome of why you, what you don't need to load manage. Like, PJ Tucker plays 38 minutes a game or something like that. And he still plays like 67, like 70 games a year. So, I'm I'm happy that I'm I'm happy because I I want them to do well. I'm not happy because I don't want D'Antoni to do well. I don't want this to become like a normal thing in the NBA where teams shoot 51 percent of their shots from three. So, um, I'm happy for them in that sense. Number two, again, positive thing: the Suns. Good team right there, man. The Suns. Yeah, who would have thunk it, man? Yeah, you what, what, have you watched any of their games at all? Kind of thing. Or? Uh, yeah, I actually have because um, yeah, they're 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 a pretty fun team to watch. I mean, this this year they have kind of two playmakers with Rubio and Devin Booker, but like Devin's really picking his spots now. Like, um, and the you know obviously the addition with Aaron Baines has been fantastic for them too. It's kind of a big who can score outside, provide really good rebounding, set hard screens, and then. Uh, you throw in a guy like Saric who can do like a little bit of everything and Kelly Oubre, who's just been, you know, a good piece for them too. Like, and the Suns just look kind of confident. They look kind of like they're having fun with it. They got Monty Williams coaching them like the heck out of that team. And um, yeah, no, they're, they're playing good basketball. So I hope they can really sustain it. I mean, they've been competitive with most teams and their losses have been pretty close. So we'll definitely see how they go like go forward. Um, I definitely want to see how they look back with Aiton in the lineup because Aiton's definitely a – he's a great player, so they're going to need to incorporate him in the lineup. But Baines and Kaminsky have been doing a very serviceable job. So um, they're fun to watch. They stretch the floor. They pass the ball a lot. Like, I think their assists are, like, you know, one of the highest in the league. Um, yeah, so they're a fun team to watch. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Uh, no, that's uh, – yeah, that's uh... – perfect way to kind of talk about it and like the biggest thing that i think they've figured, they've said okay let's just do the whole pace and space thing and uh you know be smart with it because last year about 34 percent of their shots came from three this year they've just ratcheted it up to 60 percent it adds like roughly five and a half points per 100 possessions so they're just becoming more efficient with and, and rookie rubio the way he's kind of in, in, incorporated into the team has just been uh you know an absolute great thing for them. I'm really happy that they're doing this well, and they're from the defensive end as well. They've been they've been serviceable and they've been doing a good enough job that you know they're roughly middle of the pack uh, kind of defense on a defensive rating rating basis. So uh, it's it's good to see the Suns being good. I'm I'm happy for the <laughs> for that fan base who's gone through a lot of shit since uh, 
the Dantoni ears. Anything else? You go go with that. I'm good. It Booker just looks different though, eh? Booker is nice, yeah, for sure. Like he just looks confident. He looks like he he's very decisive. He looks like he just looks like he's a vet, right? I mean, like everybody forgets how long Booker's been in the league. He's still so young, but I mean, it's, it's going to be interesting how they figure out when Aiden's comes back. Because so, um, I think Baines, the, the ability for Baines to stretch the floor has been absolutely huge for um, Ricky to kind of do the dribble penetration and pass out or um, Booker to do the same and actually go for the shot. Um, hopefully they figure it out and kind of continues. Because realistically speaking, they've done this whole thing on um, uh, not the easiest... Uh, not the easiest kind of uh, of a schedule. Um, yeah, no chance. Honestly, they've played. The, Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, they've played the Nuggets, the Clippers, the Lakers. Just off the top of my head, like they're in that division. That's a crazy thing. Like they're in that division with uh, the Lakers yeah. and the Clippers. Yeah, you're right. Absolutely. Holy shit. Luckily, they also have. Golden <laughs> State Warriors. Yeah. <laughs> We're really gonna let the Golden State Warriors get the first overall pick this year, huh? And they're gonna come back with Clay Thompson, D'Angelo. Yo, man, that's gonna be crazy, dude. Bro, so so from the again, as somebody who's on the had the ACL, I've kind of done a bit of research, and it takes roughly anybody who comes in a year, like within a year or a year and a half, ends up not being as good. It takes roughly anywhere from about twenty months to twenty four months to really get back into the swing of things. And oh, how how nice of a kind of a coincidence! Twenty months, roughly half twenty. Was it about twenty months? Happens to be the point where next year's season starts. Oh wait, that happens to be when Clay Thompson comes back healthy, perfect, and they have a strong chance to get a top five pick. Oh great, and they have a bench that has a year's worth of uh, actual NBA experience. Oh, so you're telling me they have potentially ten to twelve serviceable uh, people to help Steph Curry. Uh, Clay Thompson and Draymond healthy again. Oh, yeah, and Russell West. Uh, oh. Sorry, D'Angelo Russell. Oh, D'Angelo Russell. Oh, yeah, that guy. Oh, uh, crazy. Oh, yeah. That's this is great. Um, yeah. This is like the Lakers dynasty time uh, v v two. Okay with all this, but like my thing is like, how's the how how was their owner gonna come out and say like tanking goes against everything we believe in? Like the lineup you're rolling out right now, you can't tell me that you're not fucking tanking. They're like playing Draymond like low minutes. You're you're not. You, there's reports that Curry's not coming back this year. Like like what's up with like D'Angelo and like any kind of minor injury equals like a sit. I don't know, man. Don't 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 tell us that bullshit. Like I don't want to hear it. So I mean, hey Roger, um, um, they're not they're not tanking. They just Draymond just been through a lot, as Steve Kerr That's said. True. He That's he fair, needs yeah. his rest. He's been through a lot. Um, we're not tanking, guys. We're just um, we're just giving our player uh just a season's worth of load management. You know? <laughs> anyway, it's okay. okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're going to be stupid good. We'll talk about them next year. This year's their shit. Good for them. Uh, it kind of helps that all the... Actually, you know what? It's good for the fans because hopefully the stupid bankers and everything and all the VCs and all the fund managers get bored and don't take up the tickets and hopefully a lot of the actual true fans from Oakland can kind of come down and see some basketball. Um, yeah, for like this season. So you can right. watch like Kai, Kai Bowman and like Glenn Robinson the third, like... I don't know, man. Like, 
next year the tickets are going to skyrocket again but like let's hope let's hope the fans get a ch- opportunity to watch it again right like yeah just this year just this year i mean they moved out of oakland to what like san francisco so tickets probably are even more expensive i don't <laughs> envy being a warriors fan so. you're right you're right you're right you're right um okay so the second kind of uh we talked about sons and then the last would be I guess the who do I, who do we say? I said the Suns, the Rockets, and the Lakers. Right, the Lakers are again the caveat. I'm gonna stick with this caveat. LeBron has to play at least 70 games this year, and AD has to play at least 65 games this year. I talked about it at the beginning of the year, but my God, this lineup of LeBron, who seems to be doing his best impression of uh, like his third career. Oh, well, I guess his fourth career arc of becoming like. We all knew he's a good passer, but like just becoming like Steve Nash pretty much now. But he yeah. still averages 27, po- 27 points and six, uh, seven rebounds and, you know, shooting efficiently. Like, <laughs> this team looks. Sorry, go ahead. Have you gotten a chance to watch their games? They, they're actually like, I, I hate the Laker fan base. They're just super obnoxious and like super entitled. They, they, they had Kobe, and it's just funny now because it comes full circle how all the Lakers fans used to shit on LeBron and be like, Kobe's the greatest, Kobe's the best. And now it's just like, oh man, I love, I love both, you know, like LeBron's just as fantastic and all this. Anyways, to, to go away from that, this team is super fun to watch. Like they're kind of like my, every night if there's a Lakers game before bed kind of thing, I'll tune tune into it and uh, I'll watch them play. Yeah. They, they run, they play really good defense yeah. and man, like it's, they just cut like you think that Rondo and LeBron wouldn't work kind of, but like, it's just crazy to watch LeBron play off ball too. He's his IQ is so high. He knows where to go. He knows where to cut and he still can jump out the gym. Right. And you got like AD. So you have so many tools on that team. And like, it's just fun to watch Danny green just does his thing. They're playing really good defense together, which is really surprising. LeBron's actually trying to play some defense. Bro, did you see that block he had um, two nights ago or three nights ago? Uh, yeah, he had this like, like a, a defensive, not like the come from behind blocks he normally gets, but like yeah, yeah, yeah. an actual kind of defensive block. Um, I don't think I caught that, but okay, okay, it yeah, nice. it, was, it was good. It was nice. It was nice. Yeah, it was. It's surprising to see, but it was really nice. Yeah, I mean, um, AD's been leading the league in blocks. Oh man, can we talk about Dwight? Dwight's been nice too. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I'm hoping he kind of sticks to it, and everybody buys in, and it's actually a thing. Because yeah. good for him, man. All his baby moms need the money, and um, the kids need some in- extra inspiration. So, <laughs> but yeah, he's been great. He's been doing everything they need him to do. Just what pick and roll, and like catching alley oops, protecting the rim, rebounding the ball. He's just been fantastic at it, and I, I hope it's nice to see all these guys like these old faces, like Dwight. And you like to see Derrick Rose. Hopefully, Melo can figure it out. Um, but yeah, it's it's great to see. It's like just kind of flashes back to my childhood and. You know, and it's good to, and I, I, you know, it'd be cool to see Dwight win a ring, but yeah, yeah. it's hard. It's good. I, I'm happy. Yeah. I'm happy. I'm happy for Dwight that he's doing. And again, that, uh, a lot of couple look really quiet. We thought their bench wouldn't be that great, but like Avery Bradley's kind of actually figured out um, how to play basketball again. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, what's the name? D- uh, Dan, like, what's that guy's name? Daniels, I think. 
Daniels, yeah. Yeah, he's figured out like he's a serviceable player for like 15 20 minutes a game. And yeah. it's it's been good for them. I'm I'm and, you know, they're, they're getting like a lot out of their you know, I mean, it's like you put LeBron, like you put LeBron and AD around any of these guys and it's just kind of like, okay, if the if the offensive play falls apart, let's just kick it to one of them and if they draw a double, we'll find the open shooter. So, um it's yeah. been nice to uh, Caruso. Caruso's been fun yeah. and fun too. Caruso's right? been really, and uh, Lakers fan love him, and a lot of front office guys. I mean, the guy's losing his hair at 22, 20, what, 23. And I think people like to make fun of that a lot, but uh, I think it's been he's been pretty good. Hey man, if you're gonna make fun of him, like you know, this guy jumps out the gym, he dunks <laughs> the ball, he's making millions of dollars, like he's probably got way more bitches than any of us. So, I mean, shout out to Caruso. <laughs> You're and in LA too, so it's not I like mean, he. It's legit like tens or something, probably. I mean, but like, dude, I don't know what Caruso's doing. He literally has the best guy on the team to advise to advise him on where to get a new hairline. Like LeBron is the <laughs> king of getting a new hairline. Why would you <laughs> yeah, right? you're right. How could he have like a, a trash? You can't have a trash hairline at at 23 and 24 and have LeBron on your team. Yeah, right. It's just like LeBron's definitely got a plug. Like his, he's got a TV show called The Barbershop, man. Like you know, he's about that life. So I mean, just, just get the, just Caruso. If they, you win the chip with LeBron, get LeBron to hook you up. You know, like you're making too much money. If you were making a regular salary, you know, we all get it. You know, you don't want to pay that kind of money to for like <laughs> making millions of dollars, look fresh, win a chip. You know. LeBron loves you. He's your boy. You'll get it done. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> on that note, do you have any more things you want to talk about? No, man. That was great. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. That's all. So, congratulations, Lakers. Um, you're doing good. The couple of kind of high or interesting storylines and that I was hoping to talk about again is one of them would be the Mavericks. And I'm going to toot my horn again. You know what? Fuck it. I'm going to do it. I thought Luka was going to make that big, big leap, and he has done it. And he looks to be like the top, arguably top six player in the NBA this year. Like uh, I, I also agree with you. I thought Luca would make a leap, but not like right, truly, not this one. Like, I didn't think so. This wow, one. this this leap is crazy. I thought he would put up like twenty six, like seven and seven, but like he's averaging like twenty nine, nine and nine. It's insane, man. Like, and, and like he's doing it night in and night out it's like crazy it's just not like he has one huge game where it's kind of swinging his averages he's just kind of doing it to every team like man that kid is special i mean like i think everybody really underrated like you know the whole euro league performance i think people in general are now probably gonna take euros a little more serious there was a period of time right where everybody thought oh the next dirk and then now there's actually a really good influx of European talent. So, yeah. I mean, nothing to laugh at. Euro League champ, Euro League MVP at like, and this was all before he turned like eight, like nineteen, right? So, he, good for good for Luca. Yeah, but yeah, I, I mean, they have a big problem. Well, and I, 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 okay, look, look, look. They're they're eight and five, right? Great. I'm really happy for them. But, but. This team, I, I, I'm, I'm, again. Everyone's gonna start saying, "Oh, they're gonna make fifth four Like I was listening to Bill Simmons' podcast. Um, some of it today, he thinks they're gonna make forty-eight wins, and and somehow, uh, you know, 
do like this uh, this crazy crazy thing where their over and under was 37 and a half i took that bet out of the under they have among again uh, as the boston celtics do they have a bottom third um strength of schedule so they face really weak teams and the teams that they have been they've done it not like in a convincing way where i can say oh yeah okay i can see um how 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 much of a a, a really good kind of team they are um Again, I'm not. I don't want to be a hater, but like that's legitimately the thing. And I'm hope. And and I'm one of the biggest problems they have is they're having Porzingis play uh, completely wrong. He, he he shouldn't. This guy's a stretch five. I don't know. And again, watch too much basketball this year. Dallas is one of the teams I've been watching. They're having him post up, and he hates posting up. He's he said he hates posting up. They have like the smallest guards pretty much guarding him, and he can't shoot over them for whatever reason. This guy's a three-point special, not a specialist, but he's amazing at three points. Just let him shoot three and play Dwight Powell or whatever uh, down low and kind of figure it out that way. But uh, they've chosen not to do that, and it's unfortunate because I think they can unlock another level. Um, but again, going back to the teams they faced, like they've they lost to the Knicks a couple both times, uh, two games back to back. Uh, they lost to uh, they they won against the Raptors, but again we we're on a West Coast swing, and that was the last game. So I'm gonna say, had it been like a normal game, they would 100% lose that. Uh, they they the only like convincing win they had was against Memphis. They barely beat the uh, the the Wizards. They they kind of I guess they they did beat New Orleans kind of convincingly, but uh, you know. They barely beat the 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 Magic. They kind they were gonna lose against the the Spurs, but they kind of pulled through. But like pretty much what I'm trying to say is, I think on a long kind of curve through as the year progresses, I don't think they're gonna be this hot. Luca's not gonna average 30, 10, and ten. I think he'll go back to what you're saying, like that 24, 20, anywhere from like twenty three to twenty six points, seven and seven. And if that happens, that's an extra couple of points, a couple of efficient assists, and they suddenly start looking not as great. And then the blog boys are like, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, whatever, whatever. But I think uh, I think they're, they're a pleasant surprise, but I, I think everybody needs to calm down on how amazing they think this team is. That's all. I mean, I definitely agree with you. I think it's still early in the season, and, like, I mean, either way, I think, like, if they can figure out how to use Porzingis better, or like obviously Porzingis hasn't been playing basketball for a while, yeah, I think they can possibly elevate it. But I definitely see where you're coming from, where they can also go down a notch. I mean, if if I were the Mavs, I think like I did really like what they were trying to go for in the off season because if they were able to get Kemba, I think this oh. team could definitely could take it to another level. But like, it, sure. it just almost feels like. I'd rather they have so much depth on that team with like just serviceable players that like if they could manage to trade some of those pieces for like, you know, like maybe like a borderline all-star kind of player, it could just help push them over the top with like another piece. So I think they've um, purposely kept cap space for that exact reason. Um, no. they're, they're like a perfect buyout kind of a team. Um, yeah. but they're still so young. I mean, you got Luca at this kind of level at like 20, like, you're good for like you're good for the next ten years if they can generational keep- player man like <laughs> Nowitzki goes and all of a sudden you have Luca like what yeah it's like the same bullshit with the, the Spurs right like I mean 
you lost Robinson back then and you get Duncan. So, I mean, I'm curious to see how it plays out. I think that this is the perfect team for like a Tristan Thompson trade. Uh, they, I know Dwight Powell's there, but he just isn't working in this uh, as a five. Um, he's on an expiring, so I think they can figure out something. But like Tristan Thompson is the epitome of what I think works. If I, I don't even know if there is, there's a consideration there, but uh, use that final expiring cap space to get that guy. Like have him be the rim runner that Luke like pick and rolls Luke are gonna run and have Porzingis kind of be on uh, at the top of the key as they're running this and just do the pop and pick up and then kind of pop and all that thing. So. Um, I, I, like that kind of player, I think, is what they need. Um, they have the shooter, Seth Curry, let him be healthy and they'll be able to do it. But I just want everyone to kind of calm down on, on the Mavs just yet. Uh, the other team, again, is the beloved Spurs, um, DeMar DeRozan's new home. I, I know we're saying, I know we're saying it's early in the year, but uh, I think this is, I don't think they're going to recover from this. How do you feel about this, by the way, man? The disrespect, the disrespect on your boy, Demar. It, it's fine. I understand. And you know what? It's well founded. He should at least be a be a threat on the from the three point line. He's just kind of given up at this point. I uh, again, this is another one of those teams I've been watching way too much of. And Demar just does the same thing that Ben Simmons does, where he just runs into the 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 the, the, the defense and just kind of tries kicking it out. And I understand that's exactly what they're doing. Um, the Spurs are kind of doing it's it makes sense for me from my perspective they're uh compared like this year less than 30 percent of their shots are coming from the three-point line and pretty much apart from Indiana no one's doing that even last year uh they were one sec let me let me get the stats here uh even last year they were kind of doing something similar but you and again, I see what they're doing, but they're, they're not being as efficient as they were last year. And the biggest problem is I think DeMar just isn't... It just clogged the completely... Uh, they cl- the Their opponents completely clogged their paint. And there becomes an issue where Brent Forbes or uh, Derek White, who I think also him not being as good as he was last year has been a hindrance. So I'm hoping he figures it out. Um, because there is... With the Spurs, there is the kind of blueprint to again be good again they need to have the shots kind of falling and uh damar maybe just be a threat from three that's what, like just be a threat you didn't have to shoot him a lot he just has to be a threat so uh i'm hoping they figure it out because i'm a humongous fan of Dejounte murray who i think is again apart from Derek Derek white not being as good i think Dejounte murray not getting the minutes that he I, i'm hoping that they want him to get and and he should get as the season progresses is becoming an issue because this guy is not only potentially able to repeat his rookie year where he was on the all defensive team. I think he can be the top three, top like top three, top five best defensive players in the league. Um, he's lengthy. He uh, he understands how to play defense. He sometimes gambles a little bit too much, but again, he's young. It's his third year, and actually second year because of his injury. So, uh, and everybody who is saying. Actually, wait. You, you finish some. You finish any thoughts you have because I have. I want to end up. I, I want to end this rant. I mean, go, talking about Dejounte, I, I do agree with you. Um, he's just man. He adds so much to their game. Like you see flashes with Dejounte of like that he can really be special. But I, I know for a fact that he's on a strict like load. Like you know, the Spurs invented almost load management. So 
that's why they're like restricting him to like what 25 minutes a game and they're sending him out here and there so i mean they're easing him back into it um but like you i completely agree like i think they just need to i mean as sad as it is i think you just need to move on i don't think you can have lamarcus and thank okay DeRozan. like it's just it, it, the two of them don't work i think you can right. have one of them right but i don't think yes you can have two of them. yes and yes you have Rudy Gay, right? Like, it's just another two point. Like, these guys are all very old school players, and I think you can have, um, you can definitely keep, like, you can definitely have aspects of the older game, but the the pace and the game has just changed so much. Like, you don't want these guys to play half court sets. You want like guys like Dejounte to be, you know, grab a rebound. Like we watch the Raptors, right? And the Raptors theoretically don't have um, great shot as great as shot creators as like LaMarcus or um, DeRozan. But the, the one thing the Raps do do is they just run, right? Like yeah. going back to a comparison, just play fast, play up and down the court. Like transition points are just huge, right? But like, I mean, I like you said, the paint clogging and then the, not the, the spacing is just poor for them. So, I mean, I definitely agree with you where they do almost have to maybe decide on which direction they want to go in. And yeah, and yeah, I mean, like okay, so, so kind of continuing on the rant. Like, it's a, this is the, the thing is the blueprint is on his team. Even though you like, there's Rudy Gay can be a two point shooting guy. This year he's kind of bought in. Like his average shot distance is uh, up a, f- a foot. Like he's uh, his career roughly is a twelve point four feet from the basket. His average shot this year is shooting fourteen feet. So he's kind of spaced out. Where um, you know about a third uh, slightly more than a third about 37 percent of his shots come from three now which is by far the highest in a in a player whose career uh was roughly 20 percent from three so he has understood that his minutes his his role in the team depend on him being able to shoot the three because again as you said lamarcus aldridge and demar Derozan together cannot be teammates in the modern nba and uh be shoot uh, two point shooters, and this is where kind of I wanted to continue my rant is everyone who's saying oh you can you can uh, hope to have a team that shoots twos and all these things yes you can Golden State Warriors last year and the year before were among the highest two point shooting uh, teams as a uh, as a proportion of their overall shots and they were really good because you know what and this is what I'm hoping a couple of years down the line we figured this out that we went too far in the three point three point shots is the NBA is not about you need to shoot threes, you need to shoot threes. It's about you need to shoot whatever the best shot is for you. It just so happens that pace and space makes for better shooting and, and more the ability for the defender to kind of be a little bit later on the players because, again, you're running pick and roll, you're giving a little more space. It's not that we need to run threes. We need to run threes. It's, again, you just need to get the best shots. And sometimes that happens to be in mid-range. You just can't rely on that. And the problem with the Spurs right now fundamentally is – LaMarcus Aldridge and DeMar DeRozan together completely clog the paint. And you're 100% right on that. Like, uh, DeMar this year, again, as I said, he's just completely said, fuck it, I'm not going to shoot threes. At least he was trying before. His career, on average, roughly 10% of his shots come from three. This year, 1.5%. His average shooting distance is 10 feet versus on his career as uh, roughly 12 feet. So their spacing is completely gone. Like, the Raptors wanted him to shoot more, you know, at the rim or threes. 
And I think the Spurs kind of did that too in, uh, when they're uh, uh, last year, where his mid range, the in between ten and sixteen feet, it was da- it was it was slightly like kind of towards his career average. This year, he's said, you know what, I'm just gonna shoot those anywhere from like uh, that ten to sixteen mark, and it's not good for the team, and I think it's not good for him. Um, actually, more so the team because. It just didn't leave any space for you as a team to kind of exploit the defense. And I I, really, I like the Spurs. I like the way they play. They were old school in the sense, again, Tim Duncan is my favorite player of all time. So it's like, I hope they figure it out. Uh, you can't have, you know, a team that's built like this in the NBA. You can have a lot of twos, but you can't have two of them kind of be like that, so... I got a little exasperated. Do you have anything more to say? Because I think I can go for a little bit longer. I don't want to. Oh, I mean, I think the Spurs, they, 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 I feel like they, yeah, I feel like, like you said, if they can manage, they have so many young pieces too, right? Like if you give opportunities to like Derek and, and, and Bryn Forbes and DeJounte and like they got, um, Sean Pick can give you on a per 36 he's almost averaging fucking a triple double like <laughs> this guy and again I when I when you watch their them play DeMar DeRozan ends up just taking having so much of the ball that I think Murray from that perspective of hierarchy and and the way their organization works he kind of just backs off and gives the ball to him in the first couple of games where he just went off DeJounte he was okay with kind of taking the ball a little bit more and I think That's he's regressed a little bit they're running into the same problems the Raptors have where it's like DeRozan's a good player, but he's not a player that'll take you to the top. And he's taken away like, you know, 15 shots a game from your young players. And like, do is that really the direction you want to go in? Because we seen last year they made the eighth seed. Um, and then they lost in the first round, obviously. But I don't see them being any higher at the end of the season well than a seventh seed. And I don't see them contending for a championship realistically with this lineup. So, I mean, they have a tough choice to make. So, I mean, like you said, I just don't think that LaMarcus and DeRozan coexist well together. And I think they have to decide which direction they want to move going forward. And and, and, and you it's, it's, it's kind of weird because uh, for at least for LaMarcus, he's it, it's a really weird set. It, it, the way they run it is again. You want a little bit more space. Have the guys go out, and he, as a result, has said, "I'm going to shoot more mid rangers, mid range jumpers that are in that again the least efficient shot in basketball, the 16 to feet to just slightly under a three pointer. Like 30 percent of his shots come from that now. Whereas the last year was roughly like 20 percent, and the year before that was 19 percent. So like you, when you watch these guys, you see Demar go in, and then Lamarcus because he plays so high up but not high enough. His defender is always there to kind of help out, and it actually ends up completely destroying them because the help defender comes in a lot more effective than maybe if he was even a little bit deeper, closer to the paint, uh, closer to the basket. <laughs> it, it, it's really sad to see again because I'm such a huge Dejounte Murray fan, and I'm ho- I'm hoping this thing kind of progresses better and, and they end up giving him more minutes, and hopefully it kind of works out that way. Sure. Um, the Blazers. <sighs> I honestly don't want to spend too much time, but I felt like we should at least talk a little bit about them. Um, and you were right. You were very right. You said, uh, you know, their team is kind of looking on the brink of... They could be really good if Miller and everybody plays really well, or they could be really, really bad. 
and I think it's gone the other way. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, man, I did not expect them to be 14th in the West at this point. Yeah, five and ten. But like, but like you said, we definitely talked about them losing depth pieces like Mo Harkless and Aminu, and just you know, obviously Nurk is still injured, so they're you know, they're still. It's just rough for them, and like, like we, like, man, they're getting so desperate to the point that, like, you got if you gotta sign Mellow, man, like, ah, oh, man, like, like, uh, like, I think Mellow's a great guy. I just, I don't know where he fits, right? Like, are you just gonna keep Mellow as a spot up three point shooter, and like, I don't know. I, I think that's probably his best role at this point. Hopefully, he can come in shoot. A few open threes. He's not a terrible three-point shooter. His defense is kind of questionable, and like when he tries to force a little bit too much, it it just becomes disastrous. So I'm not sure where he fits in necessarily. With I'd rather see the minutes go to Nasir Little. I, I've watched a few yeah. games. Just, like that kid, that kid actually hustles. He plays great defense. He plays with a lot of energy, and like. I mean, he can shoot the wide open shot, right? Like he can still knock it down. But I would love to see them give more minutes in this year, little. And Anthony Simons, like they need to get start getting those guys more touches. Like I don't want to see shots go to Mello, to be honest. Like I don't know personally. It's just if Mello was to go anywhere, I would have hoped that he ended up on the Lakers. I feel like LeBron could have just kept him in check and like you know. Uh, but you know, on the Blazers, I'm not too sure what it's going to help with. And I think the Blazers have a lot to worry about. I'm curious to see how they end up doing this season. I think they lost, lost a lot of depth pieces. And I think that they really need to turn around soon because the Western conference is a dogfight, And if you start losing games early, you could just fall out of the race completely. So, yeah, they needed some scoring. I think with Lillard, um, a little bit more injured and I guarantee you they're going <sighs> to, I mean, I can't guarantee you this, but I have a feeling they're going to go the way of the Warriors and somehow say, oh, Lillard's uh, thing is worse than we expected. Uh, yeah, we're going to sit him a little bit longer. And I think at this point, if they keep going like this, where they're 2-8 and, and, and eight in the last 10, I think they're going to start tanking. And uh, that sucks because I like Lillard and I like to see him do well. Isn't that crazy? This is like the two of the Western Conference Finals team at the bottom of the <laughs> conference this year. It's pretty wild. The Raptors guys. fucked the league, baby. Right? Yeah, like everybody, like I love it, man. I love <laughs> the fact that all these analysts and whatever wrote the Raptors off, and here we are competing for one of the competing for home court advantage in like in the playoffs, and you know, and these guys are just these guys just shows you how much these million dollar like analysts are getting. Like they really know about the sport, right? Yeah, word. Uh, if they listen again, our our thing about and how we. Guess how this year would would have gone? I'm pretty sure we're pretty spot on for the most part. Versus fucking all these guys saying, "Oh, this is gonna happen. This is gonna happen." And you I see mean, that not really happening. <laughs> well, it's the truth, right? Nobody really they don't watch Raptor games. Like we we already established that from last year. It's just <laughs> like I don't think anybody. So yeah. Um, yeah. So. Um, I think, uh, yeah, that's it from the perspective of surprises and kind of interesting things that we noticed. Actually, one more thing as I'm watching the Magic game, how are we not talking about Jonathan Isaac and Markel Fultz? Like, that's, I was surprised that we forgot about that. I was just kind of thinking about it. Jonathan Isaac has, 
everything that they um, were talking about him, about him, like describing him, it seems to come to fruition. This guy just seems to be like a, a block party, three-point shooting, like a better version of Brooke Lopez pretty much. Yeah, I mean, well, I, I would argue the three-point shooting is worse, but I mean, man, right, right, like, right. he's 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 long. He's he's just smart. Like he's a great shot blocker, great defender. Like, I mean, there's a lot to a lot of promise to Jonathan Isaac. I think he's a really nice piece, and I, I think that the Magic should continue to play around him and just yeah. give him more opportunities because I think he's a great young player. And Fultz, man, like good for him, man. Like, like he's showing that he can still be a serviceable player. And like, we can all tell he hasn't figured out his jump shot yet. So there's another, like if he gains more and more confidence, maybe he can get like, it almost seems a little mental at this point. I don't know if it's an injury or if he's trying to get out, like, like, cause when you see him shoot like a pull-up jump shot, it's a lot different from when he shoots like a wide open shot. Like there's a little hitch when he shoots the wide open shot, but when he yeah. just dribbles and pulls up in transition, it looks like pretty smooth for the most part. So uh, I'm curious to see how he goes. He's, he's really athletic. He kind of reminds me of like, he's got that explosive athleticism. Like you see with like Westbrook and Derrick Rose when they first came in. I was league, thinking so. about Derrick Rose for sure. Yeah. I hope Mark L can uh, figure it out. I mean, he definitely seems like a pretty serviceable player. He still passes the ball well. He he attacks the basket well. Um, but like you know, it's definitely hard to be a you know like a like a high tier player without a jump shot. But he's definitely an NBA caliber player. So I'm happy to see him. No, I think he's I think he's a legitimate for like a starting caliber player. Like um, it, think because he's been load managed a little bit. Uh, you it's hard to see, but like on a, again per 36 basis. He's almost averaging a double, uh, like a sorry, sixteen points, uh, five five assists, four rebounds, um, on really good shooting, like forty nine percent, eighty two percent from free throw. Hey, again, and you were right, the three point is the big big thing. It's it's not the best, but he's he knows how to play defense. Like that's that's the biggest thing that you're gonna be like, uh, is this guy gonna have a a long career? Yeah, I think he is. Like he he knows how to play basketball really really good. I would disagree with your starting point guard concept, but is he going to be a starting point guard on a like a winning team? Like, like I, I, I yeah, I think so because his defense is good. He knows how to play defense. Like, but, but like, he, like my thing is just like if you don't have a jump shot, it's hard to be a like the at most I can just see him. Like I don't can't think of any like real star caliber point guards that don't have a jump shot, right? Like it's such a tool or weapon to have as a smaller guy on the court. It, it opens up. You can so argue Bledsoe much is like that. <laughs> yeah. But Bledsoe, Bledsoe is a better shooter than Mark Hall. Like, for sure. For sure. I, I, and I think that's why it's like more of a repetition thing than anything. Yeah. Okay. Like, I like, that's what I mean. Like, yeah, I don't see him being like, I, uh, yeah, like I could definitely see him being like a Bledsoe role, like in a team, but I don't see him being like somewhere up where you know, like a top fifteen guard in the league. Well, I don't even know where to draw it. Like, no, like I, I, I would rate Fred higher than him at this point. So I, I don't. But like, I definitely see what you mean. He could definitely start. Like, I like where Fultz is at, and mm-hmm. I think like, and I do think like, right now we can't get a full picture too, because like obviously minutes restriction and the Magic are so deep they run. They they definitely have kind of eased them into it, and they've played DJ Augustine a lot too. So I think that's the problem um, they have is they they contractually and kind of obligated to say, 
hey, Fultz, you, you can't be just good for half a season and play minutes over DJ Augustine, who's been a pop, competent guard. Yes. All right. Plus, uh, I do on. love the flashes he does show, though. Like, Fultz, like, man, like, when he when you see him, like, aggressive and confident, it's it's, it's, it's exciting to watch. Yeah, he, he doesn't turn over. Like, again, that's one of the other things with young guards is they turn it over a lot. He doesn't turn it over ball. Like on on whenever he's getting like the minutes, he's roughly I think two and a half point uh, half ter- uh, assisted turnovers, and I think that's kind of what you want at, at the end of the day. Right, right, two and a right. half to three three assists uh, per turnover. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. So those two, especially when they figure out how to actually play with each other and kind of get regular repetitions. And Markel gets, you know, the instead of 23, 24 minutes, he starts getting upwards of 30, 32, 33 minutes. Same with Jonathan Murray, similar kind of concept. I think it's going to really unlock a whole new player on both, um, uh, in Markel at least. So I'm happy for them. Anyways, so the Raptors finally kind of getting to the the sexiest, the most beautiful, the deepest, the hardest, the... Um, <laughs> The best. Everybody's the, the, favorite. Everybody's champs. favorite. Champs. Uh, sleeper. Everything. Everything good that happens to do with the basketball team. And that is the Toronto Raptors of 2019-2020. Uh, oh, I don't know where to start with this team, man. Let's start with Fred Van Vliet because we just talked about it. Fred Van Vliet. Fred is going to get paid this summer. This guy is looking like a stud, right? Like he's coming out. He's got that Malcolm Brogdon vibe where it's like you give him an opportunity. He's going to blow up with him. You see him locking down point guards, Steph Curry. What are you doing? You, you hold him on up. It's a game six. It's the Fred Van Fleet show. Steph Curry's nowhere to be found. Wait, wait. The, I th- sorry, sorry. But, uh, he has one more year, doesn't he? Because remember, no, he just- he's, no, he's expiring this, this summer, man. Oh, the two years from last? Oh, yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah. So, oh, this guy's yeah. smart. He's a fucking genius. Yeah, he's like, you see him, you see his ads on like Instagram. He's got and one. And one deals. He's got like deals with like American Express. He's got deals with Roots. Like this guy's a business. I love it. Yeah, I don't, um, it'll be hard for him. Yeah. Anyways, go ahead. Yeah, he's a small guard, but man, he's just locked like, what? I like, Ten points from uh, nine points from Dame Lillard, like yeah, that's I don't know, man. Crazy. Fred's been balling out, so I mean, shout out to Fred. You know, uh, hopefully he can he can increase his field goal a little bit. He's looking sometimes in the paint. He just kind of throws it up, but you know his three point shooting's been good. He's been passing the rock well. He's been playing great defense. So it's a lot to love about Fred. So um, I think the two concerns most people have are probably the undersized and just like, you know, sometimes it's hard for him to uh, finish it, like those mid-range shots. But, you know, I mean, this guy just keeps on improving and impressing. So I have, I, I don't know, Fred has just got a heart of the champion, man. He just, there's no, there's no confidence wavering from this guy. He just keeps on shooting. He just keeps on playing and, you know, he figures things out. So, uh, I mean, Fred's going to, Fred's fantastic. It's, I, I think, I mean, just looking kind of without the eye test, you look at it per, per 36, he's a, across the board pretty much doing better than every other year. Uh, you know, 16 points roughly per 36, uh, seven assists, four rebounds. 
uh, shooting roughly 40% of his shots from three, uh, sorry, 40% from three, and, uh, you know, three points roughly at, uh, like, 47% of his shots come from there. So it's like everything he's doing is a nerd's dream, like the advanced guys, and from a fan's perspective, it's just, like, beautiful. Like, it's just allowed Pascal to have a lot more room. It's allowed OG to kind of do whatever he needs to do. Uh, like the the Lowry the the Powell like it allowed Powell to do a lot better because the whole spacing thing, um, like that Powell, before today's game like that Powell Siakam Van Vliet and Nobi Gasol lineup is their second best lineup um, of anything that's roughly had at least twenty minutes uh, of play together. So it's like this kind of how he's been able to space the floor a lot more effectively and everything he's been able to do, it's it's helped this team so much, man. So, like, we have the opportunity here. Like, okay, so there's two ways we can go about it is are we going to kind of trade the assets come February or are we going to kind of make a run? I think we'd make a run for it. I think we make a run. With how well he's played. Yeah, I mean, like, unless you can get some kind of spectacular deal for these guys, which I, like, you know, like, obviously I don't. Like these guys are all getting paid so much. Like Gasol, they're like yes, getting paid like close to thirty mil. Lowry's getting paid thirty mil. Like it's just it, you have to get something in return, right? And and you we'd also don't want to take on a multi-year contract because Giannis twenty twenty one, right? Like you know, so <laughs> yeah, stuff like that. Man, like incredibly impressive too. Why is this guy looking so good? I mean, like. He's so thin, but how is he? Oh, anyway. That's one scary thing, though, man. Like, about longevity is I really hope he kind of chills out on those drives against seven-footers. He did it today against, um, uh, what's the name, Jonathan Isaac. And I'm like, bro, just chill. It, for longevity basis, it's, it's scary. Him and John Morant both are, like, the two guys in the league that scare me every Tell time. Tell me about John Morant. John Morant, did you see that one? Every... Every drive he has, he needs to like posterize. He needs to yam people. Like he needs to be a highlight reel. It's like just, just, just lay the ball in, man. Just lay the ball in. Like you're literally right there, and he just needs to like. Oh my god! But the way he lands too, it's just frightening. Like he reminds me of like early John Wall kind of, and Derrick Rose. Yes, just no regard for like their, you know, their 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 legs you know like these these guys forget they're, they're so young but you know at the same time i it's i, I kind of like it too where it's like they're young they're, they're just you could tell they love the game of basketball and they just they just want to you know holy cow dallas is beating dallas has <laughs> one-on-one points to, yeah to golden state's 50 got man golden state <laughs> shout out to steve kirk man. leading leading the golden warrior golden state warriors to a championship and, and the, the tank. tank, the tank, the tank commander, right? <laughs> amazing, man! Wow, like again, this uh, should not be looked at like some crazy thing. This is the fucking warrior. So everyone, chill out. Um, sorry, getting back to the Raptors. This he did. You see that play with uh, Van Vliet just now? Yeah, yeah. That was scary as fuck, man. Like, what is he doing? I mean, I understand what he's doing. He's playing hard, but like, fuck, just chill out. <laughs> I, I don't want him to do this some a lot of times when he does. So um all right. We talked about Van Vliet. Uh who are the other kind of guys we can talk about without talking about the big star? Uh, uh Hawes Jefferson. 
Oh, uh, yeah, Hollis Jefferson. Man, he's been he's been hustling. He's he looked hungry. He's playing defense like no tomorrow. He rebounds. How many times have I seen this guy like get like a putback opportunity or just take on the challenge of guarding like LeBron or Kawhi? It's just he's been impressive, man. He's been great spark plug off the second unit. He just kind of sits in the dunker spots, but he makes so much happen. Like he just gets these nice little putbacks and like just defends well, rebounds well, and like he just seems to be in the right spot. The way he was on the Nets, I think he 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 was he's treated kind of like a big man, and he's treated like a small forward. I think in this, and the way he's just been able to play off ball and just play hard, I think, and he's had to earn the spot. All those things. He he looks he looks great, man, and. And the fact that, yeah, the defense and the fact that the Raptors run so much, they're just running up and down the court. There's so much transition opportunities and like, and I think like guys like how Nurse called him out in the beginning of the season for his lackluster defense and just kind of benching him and like you could definitely tell that like the guys that come off the bench, they're fighting for their spots in the rotation, right? Like they they just look hungry, they look locked in. So, I mean. Shout out to Nurse for making these guys all play on the same page. And shout out to, you know, Jefferson's definitely trying to, you know, prove prove himself in the league. So, yeah. we'll definitely see. So That's good. Yeah, and then the, the next one I would say, uh, I guess, from that is, uh, what's his name? Uh, Boucher? Oh, actually, let's go, to Terrence, let's go to Terrence Davis. The AKA point god. Thank God, man. Terrence Davis, man. He's got so many tools. Like, he's just, he's just, how do the Raps keep getting these undrafted players that are so NBA ready? Like, Terrence Davis just looks very in control with the ball. Like, he finishes well at the rim. He's strong. He's like, oh my God, Mobamba. But, um. <laughs> he, I wish he could figure out. Mobamba's so good, man. Like, he could be so good. 7 3 wingspan, 7 2 guy. Holy shit. I have a song named after you. You have to be good, right? <laughs> Um, but yeah, like, yeah. So I think uh, him, Terrence Davis, looks like the perfect kind of Messiah player, and uh, he, yeah. I think he's, he's gonna get better too. And he, he is some the guy who can be like he reminds me of the G Leaguers like Siakam and Van Vliet, Powell, early on yeah. when they were first year, and he looks like he knows how to play basketball, yeah, which yeah. is crazy. Thing. Come on, Pascal! Oh, fucking up, blocked yeah. by Isaac. Um. um yeah. Sorry, yeah. So uh, the next one I would say is Boucher. Uh, yeah, Boucher. He's slim duck. Slim duck. He's been impressive. I mean, like, like we were watching him. I remember last year. Remember the finale, uh, the final game of the season against Minnesota, and like Nurse gave him some run. Yeah, and he was just he was just killing jacking, Minnesota. Jacking shots. Jacking shots, running, dunking, blocking. I mean, I'm I, I'm loving the energy from him, and I think that's all the raps really need for him to come in and give a spark, right? Like. You know, just to maybe shoot the open three in transition. He's long. He, like, he gets up. He blocks shots. And you know, there's things about Boucher though. Like he, he's a little too trigger happy. He jumps at like pretty much everything. You can pump fake him like three times, and he'll still try to block you. And like when he catches the ball at the three point line, he shoots it like he's like a first option. It doesn't matter. Which you know, I mean, it's kind of admirable. Like you know, he's that learned kind of well from JV about that. Yeah, like if you get a touch, you're you're you trigger in that, right? So I mean, um, but the, or the time of the pump fakes. Yeah, but, the pump fakes, the pump fakes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I mean, Slim Duck's been good. He's been good, like as like a what, like a third string center slash power four kind of 
come off the bench. So he's he's been good for us. I I, I like him for what he's provided. And like I love the fact that Raptors have built this culture and this system where it's like you know like as long as you play for the team, you're always going to get a, get an opportunity. It's like right. the next man up. Like earn just your keep. Earn player. your keep and all that. Earn your keep. Oh, yeah, exactly. Nice shot, Terrence. Uh, um, so fun. Uh, before I get to Siakam, just one more guy. I, and the reason I'm bringing up all these guys at once is, um, so so the next guy we'll talk about like is Matt Thomas. At least personally, is I think for him the reason he hasn't been getting as minutes as he can is his defense is just not there yet. Hundred percent. But again, you, you see it on the bench. Every time he goes to the bench, he's at least talking to like uh, Kyle Lowry. He's talking to Fred VanVleet. He's yes. talking to Norm. Like all these guys are talking with him, which is like what you want to see. It's like, okay, f- I fucked up. Where did I fuck up? What can I do better? Yes, hundred um, percent. The reason uh, I bring up all these guys. Thinking, sorry, go ahead. I mean, like, and we all knew that coming in that his his weakness would be defense, but. Like the way he spaces the floor, and whenever he gets an open, a clean look, man, he is money. He's a fantastic shooter. Like it's it's great. But like you said, defensively, he has things to work on. Um, but he's a nice option to have off the bench, right? You know, you have a weapon. So like, if you need a three point basket, you can get Matt Thomas to kind of be that guy to take it. And yep. I really like that about him. So um, and the re- and um, again, before I get to Siakam, the reason I'm bringing this up is among their lineups that roughly have played more than 20 minutes together, this is their third best lineup, is the one with uh, Hollis Jefferson, Boucher, Davis, Thomas, and Tiakam. Because again, I think you're able to have a lot of space and you're able to really uh, you know, be efficient in how you play with the ball. So, it's, it's I'm, I'm, I'm really glad that they're able to gel really well. Uh, I mean, and like, the Raptors defense has just been spectacular. Just like that's my thing about just the team. It's just they play hard, they play great defense and like they're just active, man. Like you don't like they don't give up on plays. They're always locked in and they play cohesively. It's just it's just a fun team to watch. They run the up and down the court so much, so many transition baskets. It's a fun pace. They play great defense and like two things it's just though. Fun to watch this team. Two fucking things that this team really needs to figure it out is turnovers and off, um, offensive re- uh, defensive rebounding. Because like okay, like turnovers, I agree with you, but like defensive rebounds, like I almost feel like we don't have the personnel. Yeah, yeah like yeah. Marcus Marcus looks like he's about to roll over and die at any moment. <laughs> like he, oh like oh man, like Mark has just been after his uh, FIBA championship. I think he's uh, hang think this he's might be over. Yeah, but um, but let, let me not harp too much about like the negatives about Mark. He still shoots the three pretty well, and he sets good screens. He plays great defense, and um, he makes the right pass. So like those things are kind of intangible. But um, his post game has I don't know his shot. Like I I I haven't seen him make like a post shot in forever. It, every time he turns around or makes any kind of post moves, I, I cringe because it's just gonna be a breaker. It just it just looks terrible. So, the, I mean, like the scariest thing about this team is, as good as we are, we have the second second or just close enough to be the second or third best, third worst defensive rebounding in the whole league. So, uh, the, uh, teams are gonna figure this out, and I'm hoping we figure out how. I'm hoping Ibaka, who isn't really the best defensive rebounder, <laughs> with him coming yes. back, we kind of oh Norm, that was beautiful. 
It's beautiful, yeah. Good for Norm. Norm I mean, sure, we haven't talked about Norm, but Norm, right. Norm's been in and out. I think, like, and we've definitely seen, like, I think Norm's biggest problems has always been consistency, right? Like, you don't know what you're going to get from him every night. Some nights you get, like, 25. Some nights you get, like, 6 or 7. So, um, but this this game, he's been pretty impressive. He's been in control, and he's been good. So, he's making the most out of uh, the Lowry opportunity. But Yeah, it's good. It's good. Um yeah, so it's I yeah again if if we're trying to make that run, we have to figure out how to get a a good rebounder. Again, another I don't know we don't have the cap space, but I'm hoping we, again some if we're making the run, some guy like Trixon Thompson on his expiring contract is um, somebody I think who could be something there because he isn't all his faults. He's amazing. He's a really really good defensive and an offensive rebounder. So. Um, and last but certainly not least is our MVP for the year, arguably. Pascal Siakam. Oof. Spicy P, man. Spicy freaking P. How how do you do what he's kind of done last year and improve and have the potential to get most improved again? Like... He this year, just to kind of going off the top, he's averaging twenty six points per game, almost half, more than half a block, more than half a steal, four assists, almost nine rebounds, two and a half three threes per game, shooting eighty three percent from free throw, from forty seven from field goal, all in under thirty seven minutes a game. Disgusting, man. Pascal's just evolved constantly, man. Just. I don't even think that there's like his footwork is freaking disgusting. Like he, uh, I, and I, I probably like DeRozan's probably taught him a thing or two about that, and just like the work that Pascal's put in every year, and he's just kind of gotten better and better, and like you just add something new to his game every season, and like Pascal evolves during the season, which is crazy too. Like you'll see him improve like throughout the season, and like my thing, my biggest thing is, man, he doesn't shy away from. Like taking tough shots, right? Like you see him trying to incorporate mid-range fadeaways. You see him trying to pull up in transition for threes or like at the top of the, the three-point instead of the corner three that he only shot last yeah, year. And yeah. like he just improves, right? Like and he just he commands so much attention, but he can score in so many different ways, right? Like he can score in transition. He can score on a post up. He can score like he can shoot the three now. He has somewhat of a mid-range game, so it's like I'm loving it, man. And I, I think that like. I Pascal, I thought he would be good, but I didn't think he would develop so fast. And like he's taken it to a whole nother level, and he's almost showed that he can be a number one guy, right? Like it's it's incredibly impressive to me. Yeah, yeah. It's so, I mean spicy. Oh, by the way, they're they're running the same the lineup I was talking about, where it's like the third best plus minus. Yeah, the, yeah. the Boucher, Terrence Davis, and yeah. Rondé. Instead of instead of Matt Thomas, they have um, what's his name. I think the great thing about this lineup is it's just it's it's a ter- like you said terrible at defensive rebounds, but like they can lock down, they can switch, they can lock down defenders, and there's a lot of way different ways to shoot a uh, score. Right, you got like some th- pretty good three point shooters, and like also guys that can like shoot mid range and you know drive it to the basket. So yeah. sorry, let's get back to the Pascal. If- I don't want to distract us from this. And the I think the biggest thing for at least valuable thing for him. And which is surprising is his shooting 
on average has actually gone up. So like you think this guy when he's starting off he shoot corner threes and more or less go in the paint. And those were the kind of the two ways he scored and roughly, you know, his because most a lot of his shots came from three, you wouldn't think that he'd uh his his shooting distance would kind of increase as much as it has. It went from roughly, you know, on in the career he's at 9 feet from the basket. This year alone he's at 12 feet. Uh Without this year included, it comes out to roughly about eight eight feet from the ga- basket. So he's roughly fifty percent further from the basket this year than um, than any other year he's he's kind of played in the league. And that's you know his three points kind of improved. A three a third of his shots are coming from three, um, and he's completely adopted that modern offense with the exception of some mid range jumpers, but. Which are fun again, as I talked about with the Spurs. You take your best shot, and he gets them uh, within that three to ten feet, and he's taking them. He's not taking those really bad uh, two pointers between the sixteen feet and uh, three point line, but he's taking those you know close three, close two pointers and those threes, and it's just it's just spaced out the floor so much. He's he just seems more confident out there, and you know it's resulted in what it's resulted in. Like when you initially watched this guy shooting those threes the first couple of years, did you think this was there was any chance even remotely that it would get close to this? Oh way, man! Pascal's growth has just amazed me, and I think it's probably one of the best. Like I don't think I've ever witnessed like since watching bas since I started watching basketball like this kind of growth like this fast and like a player who was averaging like four points a game in his like first season becomes like this like wins a championship and then becomes the number one option on his team just every year he he develops something new and it's pretty incredible man like and it's just you know kudos to obviously him for the uh first and foremost for putting in the dedication but also raptors have built such a great culture in the in like the organization right like you just like it's all it's the next man up right they've they've talked about it so many times and we see, man, like Lowry, your your floor general, and Serge, your number one guy off the bench, who are not playing, who haven't played for so long, who aren't playing, and, and like we're tr- you're just trashing teams, right? Like Orlando is supposed to be a playoff team. Charlotte was technically in the playoffs and pretty competitive with a lot of teams, and we had forty assists on them, and yeah. like made them look pretty them the amateur. The Lakers are were the best team in the league, and what we 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 beat them. We were competitive with. Kawhi and the Mavs and like it's just impressive like with being so shorthanded like I don't know man this team is so fun to watch and like you know I, I you know you got Masai there why, overlooking everything and you <laughs> he's, uh, that scene just came up on my stream as well <laughs> yeah you saw it right yeah he's just working his magic I mean trust in Masai man I mean you've always been preaching that so um, trust, every trust year we go in with the mentality that the raps but this this season for sure, right? Like no matter, this is just icing on the cake, right? Like we already won the chip. Ooh, that spin move on Isaac. But um, yeah, I, I mean everything too. now is just kind of we're developing for the future at this point, right? We're seeing what our future's looking like. We're gonna we're obviously gonna try to defend the championship, and um, you know, what I think the future's bright for the Raptors. So I know. Through like second or third degree of separation, I know a couple of uh, the people in MLSC, and the way they've been kind of explaining it is 
they inherently the the thing that kind of really helped them succeed was as soon as Masai came in that you know he talks about diversity he talks about all those things that literally went from top down so like the guys he hired and the from the support staff so like your internal strategy team that has ex management consultants from like the big big three consulting firms so like uh, you know you're hiring diversity from women and, and culture and all those things and it's a uh, from the top down pretty much which kind of started when Masai came in is an organization that believes in progressive kind of thought processes, not just diversity wise, but just in, in how they approach basketball and, and, and the entertainment aspect in general. And it's been, I mean, you're seeing it in, in front of you now, like you, you're, you have a team run by G leaguers pretty much. Right. Yes. And so it's been really good. Um, and I have like Three four minutes left, so let, let's just get your uh, load management ran off. Let me start because I, I feel like you're gonna go off on this. Yeah. I think we're gonna come back to this these couple of years and realize resting players was the stupidest thing that medical staff uh, ever came up with in terms of uh, you know in terms of that being a remedy to injuries. I again, I'm not a doctor, so don't take it for the grain of salt, but. Being a person who's played sports extensively for my pretty much my whole life, the hardest thing to do is go a couple of days without playing anything and then go to go to play basketball and go to play your sport. And I understand these guys are still training in those injuries and yada yada yada. But at least personally, and I'm hoping somehow, some way, the medical medical uh, uh, body sees this in the next couple of years is. Instead of resting players altogether when it comes to load management, do what they're doing with DeJounte Murray, do what they're doing with Markel Fultz, and limit their minutes. I think is going to be there. At least I personally think they're going to figure out that fuck. We should have been doing this the whole time, it, and it's not maybe not the best thing to rest a player and then have him potentially re-injure, re-injure, and then fuck your fuck your fuck your whole thing up. Um, and again, it it's just a personal belief, and I think that's that's the way to go because. A, from an entertainment standpoint, this has completely destroyed a lot of potentially really good games uh, that could have been. And I understand, you know, these guys are getting paid a lot. It's an asset and yada, yada, yada. But from an entertainment perspective, we as fans still have a say and every right to say something about it. And I think play these guys the 20 minutes in, in the right effective manner. You have analytics now. They can tell you, oh, in between these minutes is the best time to play them. Play them those kind of 15, 20 minutes and then rest them if need be. But load management completely, I don't like it at all. Go. Uh, dude, my thing with load management is just... Um, number one, it's like... Ugh, it's just... It's rough, right? Because it's just like... At the end of the day, we're all fans. And fans generate revenue for these players, but... I get the whole load management for your team and for your, but like, just imagine like paying. It's like for like, we all pay for entertainment, right? We pay for movies. We pay for, uh, we pay for like live shows, but like, imagine paying for a concert and Drake doesn't show up like because of, he just needs to rest for like, his like long-term future. It's just, it's just, what am I paying for? Right? Like, um, I think fans deserve a lot better. And I think that just, I can, I can definitely see the outrage, right? Cause these guys are, you're, you're, you're getting paid for 82 games, right? And injuries happen and guys have to sit out, but 
at the end of the day, if you're healthy, it's a product and you, you're kind of, your responsibility is put the, to put forth the best product, but it's just kind of, at the same time, these guys want to be well rested for the playoffs, but like it, for me, it just doesn't, it's just not too fair for, I guess, fans in general. And, and I could definitely get the outrage, right? Cause you, you these, t- these tickets nowadays are more and more expensive with the new TV deals and these players, demanding higher contracts but if you can't fulfill it then what would be the point of it I, I i like the idea of shortening a season to maybe like 70 games reducing back-to-backs but then the players would lose money on the tv deals and i don't think they're willing to do it so it's kind of like they want the best of both worlds which i think is pretty outrageous to me. but um shout out to wait that. sorry sorry no continue to rant but O'Shea Brissett is getting minutes baby G League, we're getting, we're getting deep into this bench. We got he Matt actually did a, the he too. did the nine to five uh, Raptors thing, like the nine to five. He played in the daytime and then came up here. You know, like we have, we have O'Shea and we got uh, Dewan Hernandez, who we haven't seen much of too, right? So it's just like we have still guys stashed away. That's going to be pretty promising too. So yeah. sorry, finish your rant. Finish your rant. Um, yeah, my thing is just like for load management. It's just, it's just. End of the day, you're responsible for putting out the best product, right? Like, so it's kind of like if you're going to work and you're not. At, at the end of the day, I do think that there needs to be a reduction in. I think that if the players really value their health and want to play a playoffs games and focus on the playoffs, I think you reduce the season, the season games, and I think that everybody's going to have to take a pay cut from the TV deals, right? But uh, I'll be honest, I I still think there is way in terms of the money they can figure it out. I think I I think they can figure it out. Like there's all these teams that are again. I think the whole aspect of I, I think I've talked to you about this where I believe there needs to be multiple tournaments to this kind of stuff where you have uh you know the shittier teams still play some kind of a tournament that determines the winner gets the um the best pick kind of a thing. And then the rest teams kind of go in a lottery. Uh, yeah. That th- would be pretty cool. Yeah, like, I think. Sorry, go ahead. And like you said, you just need incentive for like to anti tank. Right. And just like the, the thing, biggest thing has always been like once teams fall out of the playoffs, no one really watches or you have to give a reason for people to want to watch. Like there are nights where you have like headliners, like just that end up both being load managed. Right. So it's like, like it's just rough for 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 fans who get excited for all this or buy tickets to see like LeBron James come into town for one season or you know Kawhi come into town for one season and they end up getting load managed and right. it's just super unfortunate. I don't know. I, I I I again from the perspective of the players I understand it but I just think they're we've gone way too far to the other side now. I think so too. This is—it's just a little ridiculous to. Well, like if you're gonna do it, you gotta definitely disclose some like proper medical research that backs your and your claim. Like, like it's just a little ridiculous to have so many healthy scratches. Like, right? There's no, there's no reason that I think again. That's what I'm saying. So in terms of medical and how they approach these injuries, I think they've gone way too far into. Okay, it's best to have no play versus a little play. Like. They realize this with um, you know specialization. If you re- if you've heard about this whole thing that's starting now, where they're realizing specializing early in a kid's career is not good for them. 
and that's probably partly to do with the injuries is you run these AAU circuits and you run these kids and mess up their development. And, and I'm seeing actually now with my ACL where, um, if you don't train the whole joint, the whole ligament, the whole muscle group, you're, you're susceptible, uh, you're susceptible yourself to injury risk. And I, I, I can completely understand how it's happening with these guys. Because they specialize, they only certain aspects of their, let's say for example, their knees kind of get developed, and then small twitch muscles don't, and then you tweak it a little bit, and then you fucked. Down, you got an ACL uh, tear. Um, so I, I think we're still early on the medical, and I think personally, again, not a medical doctor, complete bullshit from somebody who knows nothing, but I think they're gonna figure out, oh fuck. Maybe went, went way too far with this, and maybe we should have let them a not specialize as much and b manage uh, what kind of play they had. So, yeah. Anything else? The load management has, like you said, has definitely gone too far. Obviously, because people people obviously saw the success that the Toronto Raptors what had. Right? Is able, like, they're allowing even with load management. We saw Kawhi at the end of the playoffs. He was limping, right? Like he he wasn't fully healthy, right? Or like. Know, like guys that like you mentioned like pj tucker like other people who play 82 games and play competitively have no problems being injured right so um it's just to me it's just like as a professional athlete and like you're you're you are an, enter, an, an entertainer at the end of the day right like your contract stipulates that you play games to like throughout the season and you know, I I definitely understand sitting out games if you actually have a legitimate medical reason. But to sit people out just because, just to you know, obviously to reduce a risk of them getting hurt, just seems a little, yes, as like and a disservice to your fans because it's almost like, hey, you know what, like, you know, you paid good money for this game, but. And early on in the career, like, all these rookies are getting fucking rested. Like, what's happening? Yeah, like, like I get people with injury histories, but, like, why are we resting, like, rookies? Or, like, why are we load managing people who've just come in the league? It's just, like, I think it's just a really slippery slope. And that's why I think, like, it needs to be addressed now before it gets carried on. Because this is going to be such a norm for everybody's going to start, like, load managing. Yep. That's why, honestly, it makes me really happy when loan management teams lose because it's like, <laughs> dude, like, good. Why the f- yeah, good, right? Like, there's a cost to pay when you're like resting your best players like every other game. So, yeah. um, all right, man, but- I gotta go. This was fun. Yeah. Um, I, I we yeah. somehow went almost to a fucking hours. <laughs> uh, so I, anybody who's listening to this, enjoy it. We gave you content for you to go to work and on the way back. So you're welcome. And uh, let's go Raptors. Let's go wrap this, man. All right. It's good talking to you, man. See ya. All right. Till next time. Bye. Bye.